Bills Mafia was good to Stevie Johnson, Mr. Why So Serious, and you now tuned in to the Lowdown with Jake Jordan. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the coolest place in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake. This is the Lowdown, only on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. And man, it feels like it has been forever since the last time I was on the pod, but it really hasn't. It's actually only been a week. I did uh, put out Nightmare on Finn Street was the name of the episode last week, and that was awesome. Uh, I'm back to doing my thing where I'm kind of, you know, standing up and recording the podcast. You know, it lets me have a little bit more energy. So I feel like I'm having a conversation with you guys. Like if you were at the tailgate with me and you said, hey, let's just have a conversation. I'm bringing that kind of energy to the podcast. And yep, we all know what happened. The Buffalo Bills did beat the Miami Dolphins. If you know how this show works, the first half, I will sit and I will talk about the game that happened last week. And then in the second half, we'll talk about the injury report, the game coming up. But a little thing happened this week too, and it's called the trade deadline. And obviously the Buffalo Bills didn't do anything, but we will get to that after we talk about the Miami Dolphins game. Now, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan and you watched that Miami Dolphins game, which I know you did, and if you didn't, don't even worry about it. I wouldn't even blame you if you decided that you wanted to go out and maybe do something a little bit more fun with your day, but a little bit more fun than watching the Bills. Jake, what are you talking about? Uh, well, if you wanted to skip the first half, uh, that probably was some of the most boring football I have ever seen in my life. It was two great defenses going at it and two offenses that could not get anything done. And yeah, you know what? I felt like I was watching... The 2019 Bills. It felt like a team whose defense was there and was getting it done, but the offense just could not get anything together. And one of the things is I don't expect that from this Buffalo Bills team. You shouldn't expect that from that Buffalo Bills team. Like, we had two weeks. The Buffalo Bills were coming off a bye week where they lost to Tennessee. I talked about that all last week, obviously. You know, the bye week is supposed to kind of be when a team comes back from the bye week, the team that they're going against is supposed to be a little scared unless, you know, they're a really good team and they're like, oh, they got two weeks to prepare. It's okay. We're a good team. You don't got to worry about it. But we were playing the Miami Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, one in six, one loss and their season was over. Now, I'm not going to completely blame the team like something was just purposely wrong. The Miami Dolphins, if they lose that game, their season is over, man. That is something that you got to think of when we were playing it. The Miami Dolphins knew what was on the line. They said, hey, you know, our season is on the line in this game. If we lose, we're done. There's no chance of going to the playoffs at all. And what exactly happened? Well, at least for the first three quarters of the game, the Miami Dolphins defense Look like they turned back the clock. They got one of those time turners from Harry Potter and decided to go back in time, get that team together, and come to play them. But guess what? It didn't do anything because the Buffalo Bills finally they got it turning in the fourth quarter and they ended up escaping with the dub. But there are problems with this game. 
not going to sit here. I'm not going to toot the horn. Oh, the Buffalo Bills won. Oh, yippee. All right, let's move on to Jacksonville. There were problems, and the trade deadline came, and none of those problems were addressed. We'll talk about that when we get to the trade deadline. What were some of the problems, though? One of the problems was the Bills did have two weeks to prepare for this game. The Bills had two weeks to prepare for this game, and Brian Daybold decided, hey, I'm going to force feed the run. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Now, obviously, we understand that Miami against the run is not one of the better teams, but they decided to turn back the clock. They weren't going to let you run all over them. So why were we force-feeding the run in some situations? I didn't understand it. I thought that maybe Dayball had lost a little bit of his touch in that game. But two weeks to prepare and you have a slow start like that. When I look at this Buffalo Bills team, obviously every single week, you should not expect to go in and get a dub. Like I said, to get a dub last week, it was going to be a little bit harder because the Miami Dolphins did have a lot on the line. Their back was against the wall. That's like when you cornered a scared animal. You don't do it. You do not know. They are unpredictable. You do not know what was going to happen. Tua was predictable. We all know Tua just played a game like Tua. Got pressure to him. He did not play that well. Tua, you know, the last couple of weeks before that, they played teams in Jacksonville and Atlanta that let Tua look actually fairly decent. Our defense wasn't going to let that happen. And when you look back and you see, well, the Buffalo Bills, they beat this team before. And it was what? 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 What was that? Oh, yeah. 35 to 0. 35 to 0. Zilch. Zero. None. I've talked about it multiple times. After it happened, and last week when I talked about us going into playing the Dolphins last week. But we had such a slow start in this game. And it's like, oh, we had two weeks to prepare for this? It doesn't really feel like it, does it? It didn't really feel like it. And one of the things is our O-line. Let's talk about it, right? Because, you know, it's been a problem. We've known uh, our O-line, it's a little suspect. Well, Spencer Brown goes out because he has a back injury. They don't let him play last week. And then we'll talk about the injury report. I don't think he'll play this week either. And what happens? Well, we decide to go to an O-line that looked very reminiscent of what we had last or year. But yeah, last year. Last year, we've got... Dawkins and Williams at the tackle positions, Morse at center, and then we have Botker or Ford with Feliciano. And you know what happened? Feliciano got exposed. John Feliciano is a name that is gonna you're gonna see it's been thrown around because yes, he is on the injury report. Yes, he got injured in this game. He is week to week, and I think that's a godsend for the Buffalo Bills. But John Feliciano was getting ragdolled this game, man. John Feliciano, I don't know what's happened. We've been talking about it for a while. John Feliciano is a okay guard. Uh, one of the words that I'm going to use later in this podcast, painfully average. John Feliciano is a painfully average guard for the Buffalo Bills. And I see the appeal. Obviously, I didn't really like the re-signing in the offseason. I thought you could upgrade from John Feliciano. One of the big reasons for keeping him is, one, he probably didn't want to go to another team because he knew that the Buffalo Bills were primed for success this year. But also, John Feliciano, best buddies with Josh Allen. And, you know, I one of the things that us fans don't care about, and I still don't care about, and I don't think it's something that you should use to justify keeping somebody on the team, is, well, Josh Allen likes him. He plays uh, video games with Josh Allen. Like, John... Ja- 
Feliciano is supposed to be this mauler. He's Mongo. He's he fights for Josh Allen. He's a great locker room guy. But when it comes to him against people on the O-line, he's looked like trash the last couple of weeks. He has been the weak link in the whole chain of the offensive line. John Feliciano has problems in the game. John Feliciano is not a starting caliber guard in this league. And he was one of the big problems in that game. Another big problem. And people are going to be, oh, Jake's on it again. It was Taron Johnson to start with. Now he's going to pick on Levi Wallace all this season. You're right, I'm going to pick on Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace, painfully average. Levi Wallace targeted nine times, allowed five receptions, 55 yards, mainly to Devontae Parker. And we'll talk about that. I felt like Devontae Parker for some reason, decided that this was the game he was going to bully everyone, especially Levi Wallace. And, you know, it's I think it's a little bit bad when a uh, a quarterback like Tua Tungavailoa, who, if you listen to Greg Cosell today, has already said that he's not going to be a starting caliber player ever in this league. And, you know, we've, we've said that with our quarterback before. Two people have said that. Tua can defy the odds, but right now, Tua does not look like a good quarterback. But even he knew, hey, let's pick on Levi Wallace a little bit because Levi Wallace is a liability. Levi Wallace, as a depth guy, I'd be fine with. Levi Wallace is CB2, definitely something that I think should have a giant red question mark on it when you look. Or... Every single opposing team is looking at a board and they're looking at the Bills defense. They're like, man, who do we target? They're sitting there. There's a big board right in front of you. And there's a giant red circle around Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace is a liability. And we got to talk about the trade deadline. You know, that's something that I got to do. But sticking with the offensive line, because there were two things. There was Levi Wallace and there was offensive line, mainly John Feliciano. Man, does Josh Allen make our O-line looks so much better than it is. Our O-line has never truly been a O-line that everyone's like, man, this offensive line is dominant because they're not. Like, we can say that, oh, of the five offensive players that were top five in PFF grades, it was actually Dawkins and Williams. They were actually good. You don't see no guards on there. Josh Allen, every single week, makes our O-line look better than it actually is. And speaking of Josh Allen, let's just talk about Josh Allen uh, masking the O-line play. Josh Allen, he had a slow start. We, we've talked about it. There was a slow start that the Buffalo Bills had in this game. And Josh Allen decided to turn on the end. He ended up with 29 of 42, 249 yards, two touchdowns, and 55 rushing yards, which was better than both of our running backs. Actually, it might have been better than both of our running backs combined. That is crazy. Josh Allen was our rushing offense. Josh Allen was our passing offense. And look, I think a lot of that has to do with Josh Allen not taking what the bu- or what was being given to him by the Miami Dolphins. I think that's kind of the reason why Tua didn't do as well either. He was not taking everything the Buffalo Bills were leaving him with Matt Collins behind the linebackers. Like there was stuff wide open over the middle of the field if you watched all 22 that Tua didn't take. And look, there's plenty of times that Josh Allen didn't take what he needed to take either. And that's the problem, is that Josh Allen finally, towards the end of the game, found out that Cole Beasley is still on this football team. And I know, it's crazy, right? Oh, Cole Beasley, big game, like a big gamer that we've had. Big part of this offense that we've had the last couple of years. And what happens? 
oh, I forgot he's on this team. Why not? Let's take no. I'm gonna try to fit some ridiculous passes into Diggs and Sanders that you know I have no business throwing when Cole Beasley is kind of sitting there wide open. Cole Beasley ended up with 10 receptions, 110 yards. Cole Beasley single-handedly saved this game for us and caused us to not lose an embarrassing game to the Miami Dolphins. And that is why Cole Beasley is still important to this squad. And I don't want to hear it. People were already saying at the trade deadline that we should trade Cole Beasley. Or, hey, should we trade Cole Beasley? No, you don't trade Cole Beasley. What kind of question is that? Cole Beasley is an integral part of this. I don't care what his stance is on vaccines. That does not matter to me, okay? Cole Beasley can think whatever he wants. Cole Beasley is a gamer. He's top 10 slot receiver in the league. And the fact that people are saying that, hey, we should just trade him because of how he fuses the vaccine, whether you agree with it or not, you have to agree that Cole Beasley single-handedly helped the Buffalo Bills escape with a win against Miami in Orchard Park. But another thing happened right after that. You know, there was rumors swirling around. You might have gotten lost with Deshaun Watson going to Miami if that was going to happen or not. But the trade deadline was on Tuesday. Obviously, I'm recording this on Thursday. So I've had a few days to, uh, you know, get over what happened at the trade deadline. Because, you know, if you would have got me right on trade deadline day, I would have been very, very mad at the Buffalo Bills. And I know, Jake. What do you mean you're going to be mad at the Buffalo Bills? The Buffalo Bills didn't do anything. Exactly the Buffalo Bills did not do anything. What are some things that happened during the trade deadline? Well, the one big thing that happened is Vaughn Miller got traded from the Broncos to the Rams. And a lot of people are like, okay, you know, whatever. Vaughn Miller, he's washed anyway. <clears throat> the Rams defense now consists of Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, who's having a hell of a year, six and a half sacks already on the year, and Jalen Ramsey, those are the big names that you'll have. It, But that defense for the Rams is stacked. If the Buffalo Bills are one, the Rams are two. Easy. And now that they have Vaughn Miller, they're going to be really, really good. But Jake, why are you talking about the Rams? Well, if any of you know, you know that I have said the Rams are my pick from the NFC to win and get to the Super Bowl to face the Buffalo Bills. I think that Bills-Rams could be the Super Bowl. And man, if you got to face those Rams, man, that defense is going to be good. And what's the problem with the Buffalo Bills? Oh, yeah, their offensive line. So if you got Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd coming down on that offensive line that's got bums like John Feliciano on it, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about you know Josh Allen's running for his damn life because Josh Allen already makes this team look that good. It makes this O-line look better than it actually is. And if you're Brandon Bean, how could you not see after the Tennessee and the Miami game where the obvious needs were? Like, we could obviously tell. Levi Wallace, good backup corner should not be cornerback two on a contending team i get it sean mcdermott has historically never had a cornerback two that makes you go wow he's never had a cornerback two that does that but you know what i'm tired of that if you're going to be facing teams like let's just go in the nfc because we all know there's not a trio in the afc that really makes you go oh man i'm worried about them not really unless you're the buffalo bills who have sanders beasley and Diggs that you got to worry about 
these teams. And I'm going to bring these teams up because these are the teams that you might have to play in the Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not only do they have Tom Brady, not only do they have a pretty good resurging defense as of late, they have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and their wide receiver three is Antonio Brown. You're telling me that the way that they have to play Levi Wallace right now on Devontae Parker 10 yards off, what are they doing with Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or whoever they throw over there at wide receiver two? Levi Wallace is getting cooked nine times out of 10 twice on Sunday. Okay, and we all know it. Levi Wallace, I got to say, painfully average Levi Wallace. It's ridiculous. And Brandon Bean, they know that it's a problem. Reports have come out. I talked about it weeks ago. Syracuse.com said that the Bills were monitoring the cornerback market. Every single year in the offseason, they say they bring in competition for Levi Wallace, but they really don't. They bring in washed players and have dudes that should have been undrafted trying to unseat him. That's not real competition. I'm sorry. What's another team? The Rams. Robert Woods. Oh, wow. Robert Woods. That's a name that Bills fans remember. Cooper Cup. Lighting it up. Probably going to break records this year for how well he's doing with Matt Stafford throwing to him. And Van Jefferson. Probably a name that you don't know about. But another name that in the slot or on the outside, can tear you up. Mainly, you're going to get Cooper Cup in the slot, but Van Jefferson has had a few snaps in there. My Lord, that's another receiving trio of the Rams that I think go to the Super Bowl, but the Bucks also, great chance of making the Super Bowl. Here's one more NFC team for you. The Dallas Cowboys. I know Bills fans, they hear the Dallas Cowboys. They're like, oh, God. Got to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, we do. Dallas Cowboys Dak has been on fire this year, and their receiving trio, not sure if you've heard of them, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. So you're telling me that Levi Wallace is going to shut down CeeDee Lamb? Nobody's been shutting down CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb has been eating this year. The Dallas Cowboys have been eating Every single team's lunch that they play this year, mainly. These three teams, these three teams alone will expose, and we've got a great secondary, I know. But if you can't even play, man, don't even try to play, man, against those. Because guess what? Levi Wallace ain't locking down no one. Levi Wallace in the lockdown corner. I get it. People love Levi Wallace. He's been a staple on the team for a while. Yeah, but he's been a staple He's one of those staples when you get a packet in school that half of the staple is still kind of hanging out because it didn't get put in all the way. He's not locked down. He's not a full-in staple on this team. He's not a Trey White. He could have gone this year. We didn't bring anybody in. Trade deadline, I thought we should have easily brought in Kyle Fuller, who the Broncos said they were willing to move on from and that they were willing to eat some of his salary. Whether or not that stayed true once the talk started, who knows? But I'll tell you right now, instant upgrade over Levi Wallace. But I digress. That is the trade deadline. Obviously, we didn't get any guards either. And now, with John Feliciano being week to week on the injury report, which we will go over in the second half of today's show, RO line, it's looking, I don't know, maybe it's better. I mean, when John Feliciano was hurt last year, they actually said the Bills' offensive line played better so maybe the bills offensive line does play better 
Maybe this is a good opportunity for our old friend Cody Ford, definitely friend of the show. I never called him trash this offseason. Maybe this is a chance for Cody Ford to finally go out and not play like a bust. Not somebody, yeah, I threw around that B word. I know everybody's going to go crazy. I threw around the B word. But it's time. Cody Ford needs to show if he's going to be a staple or not on this team. He can't be one of these guys that's just hanging around and then eventually just isn't on the team anymore. Brandon Bean, he's the one thing that when you look at Brandon Bean's draft record, you're like, hmm, Cody Ford, he hasn't really amounted to much, has he? No, he hasn't. He really hasn't. So there's some opportunities there. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the second half of this show, which is the lowdown on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. I've been Jake. In the second half, we will go over the matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is a game that I will be going to, and we will talk about the injury report. So make sure to stay tuned for that. I will catch every single one of you in the second half. The love fest between Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen is amazing, and the bars in lovely western New York will be packed with jubilant Bills fans through the Super Bowl. Because make no mistake, the Buffalo Bills are ready to stampede the rest of the NFL in the second half of the season and throughout the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills are my preseason Super Bowl pick. The Buffalo Bills are my in-season Super Bowl pick. The Buffalo Bills are the best team in the NFL. I know what the record is, even a 4-2, I don't care. Josh Allen's playing like an MVP. The Allen to Diggs combo has been majestic, and honestly, it could be even more dominant. I mean, look at only two touchdowns, and that's scary, right? Allen has brilliantly spread the ball around this year, getting all his receivers and the tight end involved. Buffalo's loaded in every phase. Now, the Titans are legit. I'm not downgrading Buffalo after that game. The Bills' defense is excellent. You see the nuggets of domination on the screen, and listen, Buffalo isn't losing again anytime soon. They're fresh off a bye, and yet they're still steaming over how they lost to Tennessee. The Bills are going to smoke the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. And just in case you forgot, the AFC is going through Buffalo. And Josh Allen is going to lead the Bills to a Super Bowl. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the coolest place in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York. I am your host, Jake. This is The Lowdown, only on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. However, this is finding you. I hope you are having a great day on this beautiful Friday, November 5th. And we got to talk about the injury report. Now, I'm looking at the injury report right now. When I when I do this and I'm standing, I have a better setup because I got a giant TV in front of me. So I have all of the info that I need put up on this little screen for me to look and talk about. And one of those is the injury report. Obviously, I record these on Thursday. So I have the Thursday injury report and I make my assumptions based off of that. But looking at it and knowing the history of what the Buffalo Bills do with the injury report and how they treat injuries you can kind of tell what is happening there are patterns especially with certain players with certain injuries and yeah we actually have a pretty lengthy injury report you know we've been lucky the last couple of weeks the injury reports have been a little bit you know smaller we haven't had to deal with them all that much going into the kansas city game that was a massive one and but then from there we've kind of had a little bit of a break uh the the bye week let people heal up a bit and let's you already know how this goes let's uh, talk about it a little bit uh vest vet rest there are three 
veteran rest players on here, so you don't really need to worry about them all that much. Those players are Emmanuel Sanders, Starla Tulele, and Mario Addison. So there you go. Those guys will probably be good to go in case something, you know, unless something happens on Friday at practice. Although I doubt that they're going to be doing anything that would put those guys in compromising positions uh should be good to go we got justin zimmer he has a foot injury he was inactive last week he's had this foot injury but he has been full go on wednesday and thursday so i highly expect him to be full on friday or if he's limited because he misses one snap then you know it, it is what it is justin zimmer should be good come game time two of the ones i'm worried about cole beasley and Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer was actually not on the injury report yesterday that came out on Wednesday, but he did pop up this day, on this day, Thursday, with a shoulder injury and did not participate in practice. So whether that's just precautionary and he was fine yesterday or he kind of roughed himself up a little bit in practice, then, you know, Jordan Poyer has now been added and they were just playing it safe. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about Jordan Poyer. Another one, Cole Beasley took quite a shot against the Miami Dolphins, and you could see him visibly get up and kind of hold his back kind of like, you know, towards his ribs and everything. I wouldn't be surprised if Cole Beasley does not play this game because he did not participate on Wednesday or Thursday. And I would assume that going against a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Buffalo Bills are probably going to be a little bit cautious when it comes to some of these players. And then the players that I have that are probably out are Spencer Brown, who is still on this week's injury report with a back injury and did not participate on Wednesday or Thursday. I would assume that he probably will not play on Friday or will not participate in practice on Friday, along with John Feliciano, who has already been listed as week to week, according to Sean McDermott and Dawson Knox, who we do know has the hand injury that will keep him out for still a couple of weeks. So that is the injury report. we got a couple of guys to really worry about some three vet rest and then three that will probably be out. Hopefully Jordan Poyer is able to play this game, but you know, it is what it is. If Jordan Poyer sits out, I don't see the Jacksonville Jaguars really having the firepower to be able to truly take down the almighty Buffalo Bill. I'm, I'm just saying that I'm just trying to mess with people because, you know, I love when I hear people go, Oh, the Buffalo Bills, they're such a good team. They're a juggernaut. My God, who is going to stop the Buffalo Bills? And, you know, it kind of perks me up a little bit. I'm like, yeah, we're a good team. We're a good team. It's awesome. But another part of me goes, oh, man, what my dad think? Because every single conversation that I have with my dad, it's crazy because I we, we talked about the games. And, of course, when I'm talking with people, sometimes, you know, you argue a little bit because people don't agree on the same things. And I said that, look, I think the Buffalo Bills are at the top. I remember weeks ago, my uncles were arguing with me. Of course, everyone in the AFC East was one and one. I said, look, we're still the top dogs. And they're like, no, we're not. We're all tied one and one. Obviously, when you look at it at that standpoint, then yeah, you can be like, oh yeah, well, we're not actually the top dogs. But in reality, the Buffalo Bills from an organizational standpoint, personnel standpoint, coaching, Top dog of uh, actually a lot of teams in the AFC, not just the AFC East, but of course, walking into this, the 
Patriots are still somewhat hanging around, but the Buffalo Bills are the clear and concise top dogs of the AFC East. And we haven't even played the Jets yet. Obviously, as I'm recording this, the Jets do play tonight. Oh, Mike White Lightning coming out against the Colts. We'll see what happens. Maybe he gets exposed. And the first time we play the Jets, actually, which is next week, they are saying that Zach Wilson could be all systems go. And I feel bad for that guy. I definitely feel bad for the Jets because if you watched how they were playing with Zach Wilson, then you would know exactly why I'm saying that. But yeah, we still got the Jets twice. Look, I I think that the Buffalo Bills, you know, we're on top. And it, it's hard for people to sit there and realize, hey, you know, yeah, the Buffalo Bills are a good team because we stank for 20 years. These dudes watch them go to four Super Bowls, lose, and then proceed to stink for over two decades. A lot of fans have. People may be listening to this. People who are interacting with stuff and still just can't believe that the Buffalo Bills are talked about as Super Bowl contenders. Look, I'll talk about it. I didn't really, you know, grow up with, obviously, I knew my dad was a Bills fan, but I wasn't into football. I didn't get into it until my teens when I got into high school, and that's when I learned everything, and it felt like a bunch of this baggage got thrown on me. But now that we're here, and the Buffalo Bills are a good team, and we don't have to sit here and go, oh, man, but what if we suck again? Like, we've had a couple of years now that pretty much just show that, hey, we've had a couple of years of consistency. These aren't your granddad or your dad's Buffalo Bills anymore. These are our Buffalo Bills, and they will continue to be good as long as Josh Allen is on this team. That's why you can go in every year saying like, yeah, we're one of the top dogs. We're one of the top dogs. So that's kind of why I was saying that at the beginning of the year and why when I'm sitting there and, you know, talking to my dad and we have to sit there and, you know, argue like, hey, you know, the 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 Bills, you know, we we can't take every set. Yeah, obviously you can't look forward. Obviously the Buffalo Bills can't look forward to any game. You can't say, hey, you know, this team, we're just going to walk right over them. Because guess what? We seem to play down to the Miami Dolphins this week. And that is something that you cannot do, especially you don't want to do that against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who it is the consensus that they are one of the bottom five teams in the league, you know, except for the Dolphins and the Texans who do play this week in the toilet bowl. Uh, we we have to sit here. We can't look over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, I've got some things to talk to you guys about. I'll tell you how. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'll give you some stats that should back up why the Buffalo Bills are probably most likely going to come out with a dub. Obviously, I'm going to this game in Jacksonville. I am a native of Florida, so I had to pick one game to go to in Florida, and it's like, yeah, I'd like to go to the Tampa game, but if you've seen the prices for those, you know why I'm not going to the Tampa game because I am, in fact, still a college student. And also, if you look at the Miami games, I've heard if you're a Bills fan, Living in Florida, you know that going down to Hard Rock is one of the worst experiences to just go down there. In Miami, it's not the same. Obviously, this year I did go to the Washington football game in Orchard Park, and that was an experience. That was crazy. Uh, nothing, No away game is ever going to match that, but I am going to an all-bills tailgate and it's going to be great. I think it's going to be an awesome time, and it's going to be awesome hopefully seeing a Buffalo Bills dub. Because after this week against Miami, I, I, I'm I not sure. Obviously, I have all the confidence in the world in this team. They should go in, smack the Jaguars, have PETA on their back. Also, body slam them through a table because nobody cares about PETA. They actually lie about a bunch of the stuff that they put out, especially about the number of animals that they save. But 
one of the things is the Buffalo Bills should go in, take care of business, and walk right out. Hopefully, I will be there to see that. And then I'm going to take a ton of pictures, meeting up with Izzy and everybody. That's going to be great time. The Jacksonville Jaguars, now that I've gone on my rant, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, they struggled against a weak Seattle defense. That was the last game we watched the Jacksonville Jaguars in. Uh, yeah, Geno Smith kind of carved them up a little bit. Uh, not something obviously they've got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, you know, with those guys, even a guy like Geno Smith can do fairly well, but the Jaguars just haven't really been good against the pass all year. And one of those is their pass defense is letting up an average passing passer rate of 113.5. That's 32nd in the league. And if you're not quite sure about that, 32nd means they are dead last in the league against the pass. And then they're letting up 8.9 yards per catch. That's 31st in the league. And look, the Jaguars just don't have the secondary to be able to handle the Buffalo Bills. I do not believe that they are going to be able to stop guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. And who even knows who gets thrown in the slot if Cole Beasley's not playing there. So you got Diggs and Sanders. So whoever's in the slot, maybe you throw a guy like Isaiah McKenzie in there. Or hell, maybe you gave Gabe Davis some reps at outside and then you move Emmanuel Sanders into the slot like you got options man and I don't think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be able to do much about that and on the offensive side of things the Jacksonville Jaguars have 12 turnovers that's tied for 25th in the league and uh if you weren't aware the Buffalo Bills lead the league in takeaways with 18 they're tied for first place so the buffalo bills know how to get the ball and it just happens to be that we are playing against a rookie quarterback in trevor lawrence which look i i like trevor lawrence i don't think he's going to be a bad quarterback i think he's going to be a quarterback it's going to take him a few years but as long as they build right around him and they don't make it an absolute mess which urban meyer already tried to do this year when he had the co-ed i'm not going to talk about that but you already know if you know you know but I, I think Trevor Lawrence can be a good quarterback in this league, but it's his first year he's going against a team that is a ball-hawking, sacking team. They know how to get to the quarterback, and that's one of the things that, while P Trevor Lawrence hasn't particularly been going down all that often because he is mobile and he try he is able to get out of the pocket, the Buffalo Bills still know how to get back there to the quarterback. So what do I think the Buffalo Bills need to do to win this game well i think the buffalo bills need to do one thing that's let josh cook look obviously the run game is not going to be a huge factor in this one because we have this newly put together o-line now like we don't know exactly what's going to happen and we know that right now we are going up against a team that just cannot stop a nosebleed especially when it comes to the passing game they just cannot stop anybody so what do the buffalo bills need to do pour on the heat let josh cook just let everybody go just pass it all over the yard because they're not going to be able to stop you and if they're going to sell out to try to stop you then that's when you attack them in the run that's when you got josh allen with his legs that's when you go after them what's the other thing don't force the run again don't force the run we obviously know that the o-line has these issues just let josh cook and the next thing is just get to trevor lawrence obviously these are such basic things to say like hey sack the other team's quarterback and score a bunch of points 
that's how you win the game. But you know what? That actually sounds a lot like how you're going to win this game because the Buffalo Bills, I think when it comes to their defense, they know last week they had a showing. They were good. They were really good. And the offense didn't do their part except towards the end of the game. I think this week the offense goes in. They're rolling. They know what to do. Let Josh pass it over 50 times. Go ahead and do that. Let him pass it 50 times. Score a million points. Obviously, I'd like to see that because I'm there. And I would like to see half of the stadium empty uh, at halftime. That would be great. And then maybe I could move down and get some better seats. But let's, let's, let's not talk about that. Just get... Get the Lawrence, get him down, make it hard for him. He's a rookie quarterback. He is struggling this year. They do give up turnovers. This is an easy game. Win the turnover battle, score a bunch of points, and win the game. That's what's going to happen. And that is the end of our show. So make sure to follow Built in Buffalo on everything. You can find me at Jake the Bills fan on Twitter. Make sure to go join the Built in Buffalo live streams, especially first round by. You will see first round by Friday nights on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel where me, Justice, and Izzy basically talk about a bunch of the stuff that you probably heard here today. But we're getting more you know, insight from each other, playing off each other. Uh, a lot of things are going to be coming, changing the YouTube. We're, we're going to be changing. We're going to make everything look a little bit better, make it look a little bit more professional, try to up our production game, and everything's just going to be great. So make sure to check out Built in Buffalo and everything. Check me out. I'd like to think that I have some pretty interesting takes, especially when it comes to uh, Facebook and the Twitter. So make sure to check all of that out. You have been listening to the coolest place in Bills Mafia outside of Western New York. I've been your host, Jake, only on the Built in Buffalo podcast network. This has been the lowdown. I will see all of you guys next week. Thank you.